Welcome to Write on Track, a songwriting podcast. Thanks to Tone for tuning in. I'm Demi Michelle Schwartz, and I'm thrilled you're joining me on my songwriting journey. So kick back and relax, don't fall flat, and remember, stay right on track. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Right on Track. I am joined by a very special guest today. Not only is she extremely talented and has so much experience behind her, but she's also originally from Pittsburgh, which makes this extra special. Please welcome Nancy Deccant. Hello. It's wonderful to be here. I'm so excited you're here. How are you? I'm great. It's a it's actually a very stormy night here in in uh, in Nashville. And uh, we're we're on a tornado warning. <laughs> if the electricity goes down, we'll know. <laughs> oh well, yeah, it hasn't been nice here. Like it, it's about to storm here. So fingers crossed, everybody listening, that the internet does not cut out. <laughs> if only we can control the weather, but we can't. Uh, but I'm so excited you're joining me because we're going to be chatting all about pitching songs and publishing deals and all those fun things. But before we get into this, can you share with everyone a little about your story, how you got started with songwriting and found yourself to Music City? Well, I um, you know, have been you know, started writing songs when I was in my 20s, and I'm way past that now. Um, but um, most of the time, I was just an amateur musician, maybe played around, oh, I played at church, and then I also played around campfires for a long time. And I met my husband, George, in uh, 2003, and he was in a, in a, like a death cab for cutie kind of band, right? And, um, I, um, you know, I know mandolin and guitar, so I, I put mandolin parts to all of the original songs in this band, and before and and they played they played at my art opening, and then I sat in with them, and they were like, "Oh, we're going to New Jersey next week. Are you you're coming with us, aren't you?" And I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> so that's how you know I started playing in a you know in a more you know, in a more, uh, you know, in a group with people. And uh, so for, I played in bands for about 10 years, you know, you kind of do the drill, you put in a play, your play original songs, also played, um, you know, uh, classic rock, because it's Pittsburgh, and that's what we love. <laughs> um, but in the course of that, I started, I just wanted to write a better song. And um, I started going to NSAI meetings, uh, Nashville Songwriters Association meetings, um, up in the pit, up in Pittsburgh, and um, and there's a real language that you could put around, you know, how to write a better song, and it was so exciting to me. And you know, not you know, before long, I started, I became one of the coordinators of the group. And if you if you do that, then they ask you to come to Nashville. I'm like, yeah, Nashville, what's the big deal? <laughs> I came to Nashville for coordinator training and the Nashville thing happened to me almost immediately. Like we were in the room and they had Mac Davis, who was like an oldie, but goodie, you know, baby, baby, please don't get hooked on me. And he came in and sang that song with a guitar to all of us. There might've been about, you know, 35 people. And during the chorus, the whole room broke out in harmony. Oh, wow. And, and it happens regularly here in Nashville. Whenever you are at, at, at a venue where, net, where songwriters are, I was like, I just fell stone cold in love with Nashville right then and there. And the whole entire time, I started getting better song ideas and I got you know, better melodies and I, and I got better lyrics just being on my own. You know, I wasn't really co-writing very much or anything at that point. And I was, and, and then I went back to Pittsburgh and I didn't get anything. And then, you know, a couple months later, you come back to Nashville for another thing and the whole thing was back again, you know? And so like it, the creation here was different. I mean, I could stay in Pittsburgh and write songs, but I moved to Nashville because I wanted to write better songs. And, you know, and, and after in a 2013, in January of 2013, 
I was working on booking the band and I was like, I love this band and I hate booking and I don't want to do this anymore. I want to be, I want to be at the creation point. Right. So I tell my husband, I go, Hey honey, let's move to Nashville. And he goes, ah, no, <laughs> no, no, I'm not ready to do that. You go ahead and go back and forth for a while and figure out what you really want. And it was really clear to me that I felt like I belonged here. And I made all the rounds like any songwriter does. You start playing at the Commodore and then the Blue Bar, and then you work your way up to various different venues and get to know everyone, everyone and, and, and hang out with songwriters. And, you know, still belong to NSAI and they have writer rooms in the basement, write songs in the basement of NSAI with other songwriters that you meet at writer's rounds. And it was, uh, I mean, there was nothing else in the world that I wanted. And I was on, I had this plan, you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to go be a hit songwriter. And, you know, it's a big education when you get to Nashville, because first of all, you realize where you are relative to the rest of the world <laughs> in Nashville in terms of songwriting. Everyone will be glad to tell you how to make your song better. And, you know, and, and, and it's, um, but I, I would like to say, you know, I started to really co-write. I knew I had to co-write, started doing that. And co-writing helps if you're in the room with people who know a little bit more than you. You don't have to be in the room with a hit songwriter. But if you're in the room with somebody who has complementary skills, you're going to write a better song. And you're going to write it faster than you could on your own. And, you, and in terms of songwriter years, if you are co-writing, you're going to, you're going to grow so much faster because like when I first got to Nashville, I might have, you know, no written a verse, a first verse in a chorus, but I didn't really know. I was always confused about where to take the second verse, but maybe I was in a room with someone who did know what to do for the second verse, you know, so it's a real education and you, and you get better faster. And that's why, you know, I always say, okay, even though <laughs> it's hard to find co-writers and, you know, especially if you're not in Nashville, it's like the thing you got to do. So anyway, my, my life just, you know, um, I mean, it was just wonderful and I felt a great sense of belonging and there was no tearing me away from here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, perfect. No, that's an awesome story. And I love what you said about co-writing too. Like me personally, second verses aren't my best friend. Bridges aren't my best friend. And so, so funny because like some of the co-writers I consistently write with, they know that. So when we get to the second verse, I'm just like, all right, you guys can just write this part. And then what is the bridge? You're like, do you want to write the bridge? And so it's really cool. Like once you start to build those connections with other writers and see everybody's strengths and weaknesses it's really awesome it is it is it's amazing and you know I'm, I'm a visual artist too and you, you know uh, and I was really focused on that for a bunch of years before uh coming to Nashville and you know that's a lonely art art visual art is lonely you know when you're sitting in a room with two other people and you're writing a song and you're laughing and you're having a good time then I mean it's so collaborative and it's it's amazing it's perfect all right so i have some questions for you so when it comes to pitching songs when we're writing songs whether that be alone or with co-writers sometimes we don't know who the artist we're going to be pitching to is and we're just writing a song and hoping it's a good song other times we have an idea or we have an opportunity and know what artist the song is going to be pitched to so what are the differences with these two styles of writing what are some pieces of advice you have for writing the first way with you're just writing and don't know what artist is going to get to and the other way when you know what artist is going to be potentially pitched for such great questions. Okay, the first thing I would like to say is, you know, your best chance of getting a song um, cut by someone is to be in the room with the artist and write the song with the artist. And, and this is very much so if you are not much of a singer, then this is your job. Get in the room with the artist. And whether they be from your hometown or whether they be from, you know, from their hometown and living in Nashville, that would be your first thing to do. If you're an artist and you can sing, well, you, you have you have different opportunities. You have like a broader opportunity. You like that song, you can record that song. But lots of us are like, okay, I'm more of a songwriter, maybe a performing songwriter who sings, but still, um, 
So start with trying with uh, finding great artists to write with. The second thing is, okay, now let's say we really have been writing for a while and our songs are getting very, very commercial and we want to get our songs to someone in country. So I'll just talk about country because in, in pop and in the Christian world, most of the time, those artists are writing their own songs or in the room with hit songwriters, okay? Um, and in country, there is there are opportunities for what they call an outside cut, you know, someone who wasn't writing with the artist to get a chance to uh, get the song cut. And so if you were, if I, I mean, there's a giant pitch sheet out there. There's, you know, there's a list of all the record labels and you, and, and all of the artists that they have. I mean, this costs some money, but you can find them. And then you, and you, and you go look at the list and you see who, who is, who is looking for songs. And then you look at what you got and you say, it's my favorite song right now that I just got demoed. Who would this song be good for? Um, and, and then, uh, and then you go and you look and see if they ever sang a song on that topic before. And if they haven't, and, and you think your song is really great, then you have to find someone to help you get that song <laughs> to, to that artist. But that is the world of pitching, and that is the business side of things. So, I mean, and it just takes a vast amount of knowledge about, you know, the artists that are on major labels, right? I mean, you have to... Uh, I, mean, I mean, if you're a student, if you love country radio, then you're listening to the radio all the time. You're going to hear Dirks and Blake and people and, and all those artists like that. And you know that, that they're current artists. And so then you just got to um, learn their sound. And, you know, this is what every publisher and every song plugger does. They sit down and, and listen um, to to everything that Dirk Bentley ever wrote before or ever sang before. And then you go, you know, you just become a, um, a student of their catalog of songs. Um, so this is just some work you have to do. It's research. Like, and it, it's not so hard with an artist who's been out for a long time, like Blake Shelton. We all know what he sounds like and what he sings, the, the type of things he sings. But it's the new people who are just getting signed off of TikTok and things like that that you have to, and they're more likely to need a great writer. They're like Dirks and Blake Shelton, they already have people that they, you know, I mean, like Craig Wiseman can, you know, send over a text a song over to Blake Shelton. I'm, it's going to be hard to compete with him. Um, but someone who's new in the world of country and it just got signed. Well, now I have to, you know, do a lot of research and try to figure out who is this, uh, who is this person and do I have anything for them? Yeah, no, that's perfect. And I love what you were kind of saying there at the end. You know, I've heard a lot of people say that it's hard to get with the stars because they have their camps that they're already in and they, they work with the writers they consistently write with. But like a lot of people say too, is like when you meet the artists who are just starting out and that you see potential in yourself that might not have broken through yet, like if you're the writer who meets up with them and has a great song and they ended, end up breaking through, then it's like they worked with you and they can bring you up with them. And so I think like having your focus set on the smaller up-and-coming artists rather than the mainstream is a good idea. Yeah, it is. Um, but all of that said, you know, there's what, you know, the, those of us who are songwriters who are really working at it every single day are always thinking about, you know, what can I write that this, that this major label artist just doesn't have time to write or their writers don't write like the more deep songs like um, uh, what's it? Um, Michael Knox, who is Jason Aldean's um, producer, said he needs he needs songs like Flyover States. He needs deeper songs. He says the young guys in Jason's camp are going to you know um, uh, <clears throat> write all those songs that are you know more about you know you know the more the the, the typical Jason Aldean songs. So he's always looking for the deep songs, the songs that maybe it takes some years for you to 
to um, be able to even write something like that. If, you know, someone with <laughs> some some years behind them, some miles on them, that's going to make uh, give them the experience that they need to be able to write something deeper. So I think country music is filled with experiences, um, you know, with with songs where they are just trying. I mean, country loves deep stuff. And as much as it loves, you know, let's go party in the back of our pickup truck. But there's the house that built me. There's humble and kind. These are career making songs. And uh, each one of us um, has to find our own specialty as a songwriter. What do we bring to the to the party? And if yours is, I bring ideas that are heartfelt and deep. You're you're gonna have a lot of opportunities to write, <laughs> you know, because that's what people need. So you you know, and also people say every time you turn around. Every single record label, you'll see it on the pitch sheet. We need up-tempo. Well, that's because it's easier to, I mean, all of those artists are going to write those ballads. And those mid-tempos, those are probably pretty good. You know, but it's, it is the up-tempo that people need. My goodness, to me, if you could be the up-tempo queen, people will use your song. <laughs> it's really you know, it's really hard. It's, I mean, this is, this is a challenge, right? Yeah, for sure. So you find out what people need and give them that. But then in, as you're in your soul as a songwriter, you just have to write what's in your heart and you have to trust it, that it's going to, it's little trail of breadcrumbs is going to lead you where, you know, where people, where, where artists need you. Yeah, you know, yeah, <laughs> for sure. You're gonna have to try. You're gonna just gonna have to trust that there will be uh, a place for your music because there is a place for your music. If if you are the artist, to me, there is a place for your music. But it's sort of like there's just this little higher up echelon. You know, you're trying to go major label. Well, that doesn't mean your music doesn't have a tremendous amount of value and a tremendous amount of power that can change someone's day. You don't need a label artist to sing it, right? You need to sing it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Wow. So much inspiration from you there. Um, fantastic. So after our songs are well-crafted, we've rewritten them a bunch of times, we've got them polished and ready, then it comes time for pitching and demoing. And there are different opinions I've heard about demoing. They have to be like radio ready, studio recordings, and other people say very stripped back demos that are underproduced and not as ready for, say, radio are also acceptable. So what are your personal thoughts on what makes a good demo and how to achieve that? Okay, I love this question. Okay, I really, really do. Um, because I've always, I've asked a lot of that, but I have some experience that guide my choices these days. Um, I, you know, on a more ballady kind of song, you can get away with a guitar vocal or a keyboard vocal because those, those types of ballads will tend to soar and the vocalist will be the, will be the, the, and the voice will be the main thing that people listen to. But then you get into those mid tempos and you get into those up tempos, you're really going to need something more than that. And the worst thing that you can do is give them a, uh, a demo that sounds kind of canned, right? Where it doesn't have anything unique in it. You'd be better off, you know, with just a guitar vocal <laughs> than than a bad demo. <laughs> so you kind of kind of have to you got to be wary of that stuff. Um, but I would say, you know, I am a. I've spent many many hours song plugging, and I am, you know. I have been a publisher and a publisher as well. And my job is a song plugger in there. And I have been a, in a meeting with lots of other song pluggers and we are pitching to an artist. And when the person to your left pulls out a Marin Morris demo and plays it and it just knocks you out, let me tell you, you do not want to have some 
you know, it's like I'm just there with my little guitar vocal and I'm like sticking it back in my pocket. <laughs> I'm like, nope, not playing this one today. And I think when you're really playing it at going for that major label thing, then you have to you have to think about that. You know, who else are they gonna be hearing? And if you're going for a major label, you better believe the top, the major publishers here in town, they're going for it and they're not, they're not, and they have a budget. <laughs> so they have the best. So you just always want to put your very best foot forward when it comes and spend the money on a great demo. And and these days, a lot of that can be a little bit cheaper. It can be a whole, whole lot cheaper. If you're writing with someone who does um, who does production, who, who makes tracks, I mean, even if that person makes the tracks and then you guys spend the money to have mixed really great, well, you know, I mean, and we all do have a computer and, and, and you know, you can take Chris Bradley's course on how to make your own tracks. <laughs> that might not be, that is definitely not my skill, but that's the cool part of you know writing with other people maybe somebody in that group really can lay down a perfect rhythm guitar track on that and they can and in time i mean you can program drums and put a, a rhythm guitar track down there and you can get a you can go a long way in production these days and and make it you know you should not be a, paying a thousand dollars for some demo right you and you know, you shouldn't be paying over five hundred, in my opinion. And if you can pay two fifty or two seventy five or three fifty, you know, that's kind of like what it ought to be. So, um, especially just for pitching purposes. That, and I'm not talking about, um, you know, the full master quality with all the bells and whistles by the time it gets out there to the world. But I encourage you all to think about how you can reduce those costs and get demos made that really reflect um, the quality that you want. And you might not, you know, there's lots of music. This is one really good thing I learned about Nashville is there's lots and lots and lots of musicians in this town and they're able in a heartbeat to do it. And like at home in Pittsburgh, it might cost you $200 to get somebody to, to do one guitar track. Here in Nashville, it's not going to happen because there's so many people who will do this. They put it together for you for, a, you know, in a heartbeat. So, uh, so you have different people that you can, you know, there's a different environment here. There's there's excess, right? There's surplus. Surplus musicians <laughs> will will make a guitar track for very little money. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Do the best that you can. Don't don't pitch a work tape. You know, one that you recorded on your phone, unless it's to your friend, that's okay. But really, you know, you really need to put. It, it needs to be something that's mixed in the studio, even if it is just a guitar vocal. So that's my thoughts on it. Perfect. Thank you. That's awesome. So now let's talk a little bit about publishers and publishing deals. So for anyone listening who don't know what publishers do and don't know what a publishing deal is, can you just give a brief overview? Well, uh, publish, you know, every, every songwriter, every song that's ever written has an economic value to it, right? Has a commercial value, not like a commercial on TV, but some, some value to it. And the only way to get that value out of it, you could record all day long, but if it's sitting in your, it's sitting in your computer, it's not going anywhere. So you got to get it out into the world. Now we independent artists, we can all get our songs out into the world these days but, you know, publishers bring the real business arm to this side of it. And then the preferred way is that an artist or a songwriter can do the art and the publisher can do the business for you. And, and, and so this is the highly valuable is to have a publisher. But a publisher who is able to get your music around like say if you're a great writer, you're not an artist, you're not planning on releasing songs. And you know, these great publishers here in Nashville, they're mostly country. There's a ton of you know, publishers all over the world. But there's a high percentage of you know, country publishers here in Nashville. 
and and they will um, uh, when they sign a writer, they usually give them a draw of you know one or two thousand dollars or more a month, depending on you know the where you're at if you're new versus if you've been in the game a long time and have proven hits and things like that. But they will get your songs. They're called creative, right? On the creative side, they'll take your songs and they will pitch them, and they will help you, the the songwriter, get in the room with artists that can. That, so you're writing with the artists. So that's what you know on the creative side. That's what um, publishers do. They help. They help the songwriter create and do something with the with the songs that they have. And then there's the administration side of publishing, which is, okay, now that the song is like going to be, is released to the public, this publisher knows many, 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 many more places than you, probably you, songwriter, on how to get all the money, you know, to receive all the money and make sure that you, the songwriter, gets all the money that you deserve for, for that song, whether it be... Um, you know, um, from your PRO, BM, who's BMI, ASCAP, CSAC. Uh, the MLC now is also a source of income for songwriters. Um, there's, if you're an artist and you're releasing songs, there's sound exchange for digital plays, and then you can then digital plays of music, and so you need to be able to collect those, and you need to have somebody who knows how to collect those. If And if you're a songwriter or an artist and you don't know how to do that, well, then you have to figure out how to do it on your own. But if not, you know, your publisher can do a lot of this stuff called administrative, you know, do the admin for you. And also register on your songs that are out there in the public. You want to, you know, copyright them. And so your publisher knows how to do that because that's no small feat either. And then there are other places, right? So it's about collecting the money, um, going where the money is and making sure that um, the songwriter and the publisher gets all the money that they can. And also being the one who administers licenses for the songs. Like somebody might want to use it in TV film. Well, you as an artist don't, don't, you know, don't really know how to, don't have any licenses for that, but the publisher does, and they know what needs to be in those licenses. And so they will admin those licenses for you and make sure that you get and, you know, find, you know, get all the money that you need again. So does this make sense? The two side is, you know, that one side is helping you uh, create, get in the room with artists, um, helping your songs to get where they need to go to be recorded by artists and then on the administration side, collecting money and making sure all the dollars and the licenses are administered and income is flowing in. Perfect. Wow. Absolutely perfect. So it seems like publishers do a lot, a lot. And for a lot of songwriters, it's their goal to get a publishing deal, me included. And so let's talk a little bit about the networking side and kind of the do's and don'ts when it comes to interacting with publishers and those interactions. So can you share your thoughts on the networking side? So I have a small publishing company. It's called Nashville Cool. And I would get emails um, on a weekly basis that says anything from like, hey, here's my song with a link to their song. I don't know who they are. <laughs> I've before. I promise you, they, I know they probably got my, my email, you know, from somewhere um, because it didn't come through the website. And I'm like, dude, I don't know. <laughs> dude, don't do it. Dude, do that. Don't do this. Okay. Then I, but then I might get an email that says, Hey, Nancy, you know, um, Kirsty Manna, uh, suggested that I get in touch with you. Well, Kirsty Manna and I are, are both seasoned professionals. Uh, she wrote, uh, uh, Blake Shelton's Austin and uh and anyway so Kirsty suggested i get i get in touch with you she thinks that i write things that might be down your lane would you like to would you like some of, to listen to some of my songs and i was like sure <laughs> as compared to 
Or then the, the one that you get, the email that you get that goes, I have a thousand songs. Well, honey, I ain't listening to no thousand songs. <laughs> you know? And and most of the time when I get those emails like that, they don't even know, they, you know, they, they don't even know what kind of music. I mean, my website's right there. Go look, go look. It's <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't need any pop songs. I love you, but no. <laughs> yeah. So like, let's be smart, right? Be smart when, you know, you don't want to burn the good chance that you have with <laughs> any kind of publisher. So don't this like, don't email somebody unless somebody referred you. Just don't do it. Okay. And, but there's a smart thing to do. Go on their Instagram. You want to meet the people from that company. Go on that Instagram. See if anybody from that company is going to be out in Nashville. And when you're coming down, right? Uh, well, first, research every company you can find and find out which ones are doing music like you. Okay, that's a good start. And then, and then get down. when you get down here, maybe they're out. And about, and you can just casually introduce yourself. Hi, I'm a songwriter. <laughs> and don't try to force a song on someone. Just meet them. I think that that's been my strength is just meeting people. And then like the second time I meet them at, a, at an event, I'll go, oh, hey, good to see you again. You know, oh, what's, you know, hey, congratulations on what's going on in your company. I heard you sign so-and-so. That's so fantastic. And then the next time I see them, hey, I heard you're producing so-and-so. Are you still, are you still looking for songs? And then the, the hippie says, yeah. And then you go, hey, can I, can I send you one? And they'll go, yeah, because he knows you're not goofy. <laughs> you know? And he knows you, you know. So it's like you got to pick your, you got to pick and you got to do a lot. This is what I did anyway. And it worked for me. You know, I've done a lot of research. I'm always looking. Music Pro magazine buy it they have uh, pr releases come two or three times a day with who's getting signed where and where they're going to be and what's going on get to know the environment but if you think you're just going to come and just send somebody some songs it just kind of it might have just worked that way in 1960 but now it just doesn't work that way because there's like and especially now that we're back up, you know, like COVID is a little, little bit over. Everybody's out like crazy. And, and but, you know, they're hanging with their friends. And it just, uh, you know, you, it takes time to meet people. And you need, you need an advocate who's going to help you get in the door. And BMI and ASCAP and CSAC are way too busy to meet with you. Maybe maybe CSAC and ASCAP will. That BMI is just not even doing it right now. So it's harder to find advocates who will help you and put you in a position where you're learning about who these publishers are and meeting them and enter. And there are a number of organizations that do this in town. One would be NSAI to a small degree. Um, Global Songwriters, Cherise Voltori also does really help songwriters get in front of get their music in front of publishers and my organization discover sooner this is this is what we do we work really hard to help you get you know we have online events that are free and you can learn about publishers and hit songwriters and things like that and then we also have some programs you can apply to and not everyone makes it but we want people whose music is what we think is a good fit for the publishers that, you know, we have this thing called the publisher writer experience where uh, once a month for three months and each writer gets a, uh, a short meeting with the publisher and gets, and gets, and they get really get to know each other. And this way, um, you know, it, it's actually maybe a little bit better than even pitching a song. You're just there to, to meet them, to get to know them and have them to get to know you and your music. Um, and this is this is a this is a successful approach, but you know, and it, it's not easy to find places and opportunities like this. But that's one of the reasons I made Discover sooner is because it is so hard. And you know, it, you could be great day one when you make it to Nashville, and it still might take you 
seven, eight, nine years to meet the people that you need to help your career go forward. So, you know, they're, so you want to, so, because we all need an intermediary. I mean, even I'm, I've needed a lot of intermediaries. I, you know, you make friends and someone will, who trusts you and will open doors for you. And that's the kind of organization that we're, and, and that we're, that we are. And what our goal is to do is to help songwriters and get the door open for them in the right time in their life and when their music is ready. So that's our thoughts. That's perfect. Wow. I love how the focus, like it's, it should always be on relationships first. And I think like no matter what you do in life, like if you're trying to get to a publisher, they're not just a publisher, they're a human being. You know what I mean? And I think it's so important to remember that. And that's where like everything I do, like as an artist, like making connections for like radio and blogs and podcasts and anything I do, like I always make sure to like get to know the person first, get to know their work before I even like send stuff. And like a lot of the times too, like like you said, like once you get to know somebody, like a people will extend an offer without even have to having to like say anything. Like I've been ask like hey do you want to do an interview sure and it's like I didn't even say anything it's just like we've known each other for a while and have a relationship and people in the industry are so nice when you find the right people and I personally think it's all about giving back and if you give back and make an effort to be interested in someone else and what they're up to and their company and their music or whatever like they'll show an interest in you as well and like I completely 100% agree with like everything you said just be polite do research and build those relationships for sure you know there's this real delicate balance you know it's like it takes a lot of emotional intelligence to do this well right yeah and, for sure. you know you gotta read the room you gotta read the moment I mean I've not been above saying something right out hey you know like can I hardly even know someone um you know and and you know like hey can I write with you? <laughs> oh, Mr. Hit Songwriter with 17 gold records on your wall. <laughs> oh my God. Well, I, and well, we had a few things in common. Okay, I'll tell you one of my own stories, right? There's um, a wonderful uh, hit songwriter. His name's Rory Burke. And he wrote, uh, You Look So Good in Love by George Strait. And he had like set, like, you know, all these amazing songs. And we were both, we both played Tin Pan South in 2016, right? And, and so we were both invited. And a week or so, a couple of weeks before I had seen him at a Starbucks at a, a show called Songwriters Singing for Coffee. <laughs> and, he, and he sang, he sang Shadows in the Moonlight which was by Anne Murray way back when. I mean, and from when I was, you know, in my tw 20s, right? And here he's singing this song. And I don't know this man at the moment. And I'm just crying. In <laughs> just the way that he's singing, it's touching me. And he knows he's not a great singer. But I'm like, like, oh my God. Just overwhelmed, and then a few weeks later, we are at this NSAI, um, uh, you know, uh, kickoff, kickoff um, event, and I see him, and I go, "Oh, Rory, I saw you the other day. It was just so amazing." And we're talking. Another hour goes by, and and I just go, "You know, I would love to write with you." And he said, "Okay, let's write." I'm like, okay. Okay, so check this one out. So I, like the first song we wrote, uh, um, I, I had him come to my office on Music Row. <laughs> now, years ago, he had an office on Music Row. I had him come to my office on Music Row. And we wrote a really good first verse and chorus. And I go, but something is different here. And I don't know what it is. I have no words. What's going on here? He's not hardly saying very much. But I don't know. But something feels like amazing here. I don't know what's going on. Anyway, so we get to the second verse. And, and, uh, he's, and I, so I said, well, what do you think we ought to do for the second verse? And he says, well, what do you think the song wants to do? What do you think the song wants to say? And I was like, 
I never thought of that before. And okay, so we go on and now I start listening. Okay, song, what do you want to say? And sometimes I have to say when nothing is coming, I'm like talking to the song and saying, well, he's like, are you over there in the corner smoking a cigarette, taking a cigarette break, you know, <laughs> get over here and happy, right? Now. But anyway, so a couple of weeks later, my one of my friends says, hey, you got to read this book. It's called Big Magic. It's by the E. Pray Love, um, Elizabeth Gilbert. I think that's her name. Anyway. I read Big Magic, and the whole thing about Big Magic is, the bottom line is that these creative ideas, there really is a thing called the muse. And the own, and, and it's interested in getting its, its idea out into the world. And it is going to go to whoever is going to get it, get it out into the world the fastest. So if you get an idea, you got to do something with it or it'll jump and go to somebody else. And, you know, and so all of a sudden there was this, these song ideas that I get, I start thinking differently. Okay, it's not just me coming up with this idea. I'm starting to think that there is this thing called a song and it wants to come through me. And it hits me that when I'm with Rory, that's what's happening, that, you know, he he can hear what that song is trying to say a little more clearly than me. And and it's just things like, you know, boy, that line. And I say, well, I'm not sure about that line. And he says, well, let's keep working on that line until you feel really strong when you're singing that line. And I was like, this is a this is more like a way of feeling your way through writing a song. And in the years that since then that I've written with Rory year after year after year. And he says, I don't know why we started writing together. And I says, yeah, I know I was really the lucky one. here." <laughs> <laughs> but he became a mentor to me. He's an old record guy before he was even in, uh, you know, but I'm, you know, I've got a, I'm a songwriter and I've got this small publishing company and he became a mentor to me. And then, I brought a wonderful artist into our lives, uh, Trinity Wiseman, who's just about to graduate from Belmont, who's from Pittsburgh, <laughs> the Pittsburgh area. And so we've written together for years and, and you know, had this amazing friendship. But I've never been the same because I wrote with him. And inside him was this knowledge that knowing that you don't have to, in your mind, know everything you just have to be a good listener and the song will come to you and tell you what it wants to say and and I said and I went back to him earlier and I says Rory I got it I got it now I know it. It's, I read this book big magic and this is it this is what's going on I know it's what's going on in your room when I'm with you and he goes oh Nancy I don't know about that <laughs> <laughs> right so and and then you know, Rory is, is so humble. He really doesn't. He would never admit to knowing anything bigger than what he knows, right? And so, I mean, but Rory has 17 gold records on his wall. And he always treats me and Trinity like he's the lucky one to be writing with us. <laughs> and so I got to say, I just got to say, those are the, that's the best in Nashville, I think. That's the best songwriting it's ever going to be. And you have people like that that you're like, it's really. <laughs> so if it ain't that, you know, keep looking for your people. Maybe sometimes you get lucky. I like totally got lucky on that one. Maybe like God was saying, this woman, Nancy, needs you. <laughs> and, and, and every once in a while, I do something stupid like that and it works out. And every once in a while, those words just fall right there on that floor. And, and, I, and I try not to, I, you know, the best thing to do is just to get to know people. Give whatever you got to give because everybody who's here has got a gift to give someone else. You know, so wow what a beautiful story oh my gosh i was like getting a little cheery at the one point I was like, this is like such like, a beautiful story oh my gosh oh perfect wow perfect so i have one more question and that is 
just for any songwriters listening who really, really want to do this and really want to get a publishing deal and just make it as a songwriter, what is one big piece of advice that you would like to leave them with? We think we want a publishing deal. Okay, we want to be writers. And I think when we say I want a publishing deal, I just want to be successful, right? And success comes in a whole bunch of different forms. Um, and I think, you know, like, uh, I mean, I this past year, I got my first, you know, top 40 billboard song, right? <laughs> it's taken a long time to get there. and And I feel like, you know, if you're always measuring against the what you think is the accomplishment that you expect them to get, you can be really unhappy. You can feel like I, it's not happening. I need to quit. And I want to say, and we all go through this. So let me let me say that if you want write the best dang songs that you could ever, you know, work do do whatever you have to do to be the best songwriter. And because in Nashville, um, it's about the music. It might not be exactly like that in, the, in New York and LA, but in Nashville, it is. Because people feel this, like in every, in every, like there are like lots of songwriters, just like, I like, I look at it like this. There's the NFL and then there's the almost the NFL. And the almost the NFL just needs an extra 5% to be the NFL. You know, you know what I'm saying here? Yeah. You know, the difference between an athlete who is in the NFL and a college athlete who doesn't go to the NFL, it's, it's 5%. And how do you get that? It is by writing and exercising. Your weight room is your morning right, right? And yours and if it's in your heart to do that you gotta you need to be with people who can encourage you on that journey right um you don't necessarily have to move to nashville <laughs> but it it doesn't hurt to be here and you can come back and forth okay and then i would like to say about the publishers we have in our mind what we think publishers want and you know if you're in nashville you start to think all the publishers want because they tend to sign a lot. 24, 20 year old guys <laughs> or a TikTok star right now, right? Yes, it's true. They do. But in my own experience, uh, like through the publisher writer, um, I have a 40 something amazing, beautiful woman writer. And one of these publishers heard a half of one of her songs, a half, and talked to her for 20 minutes and then invited her over to write at their, at, at, at her, their publishing company with a major label artist and gave her instructions to say, I want to see, I want you to bring the best out in this young artist. So no matter what you think people want, you can get, you can get really despondent thinking that no one is ever going to want me. Because you see everyone else, it's like hard, you get distracted. It's like you have to keep your eyes on your own paper. Because if you're looking at what someone else is getting, you're gonna feel like it's not happening to me, what? And, and so that's what I always say, keep your eyes on your own paper. That's one thing. The second thing is follow your heart, keep doing that. And recognize that for every step, that you take, that God or the universe, whoever you want to call it, God's taken a thousand steps for you. And the only reason you can't see it is because you just don't have eyes to see it right now. So get moving. Take each one of the steps you, need, you think you need to take and follow it. And keep your eyes on your own paper. And know that it's a joint venture between not just you, but you and all, all of the universe that wants to help you. Because I don't think any one of us would have this giant desire without, without that having been a gift in the first place. Wow. 
That was incredible. I feel like I just listened to a commencement speech. That was so perfect. <laughs> well, oh. you know what? I'm telling you, but I'm telling me too. I need to remember this because it's hard because you go, I had this plan and it's not working on my plan. And why does it work to my plan? It's not happening as fast as I want. And then, and this and that, and the other thing came about. And oh my God in heaven. And I think all of these steps that we take are so foundational. I mean, just the fact that you follow your heart to go write songs and try to get a publishing deal says a lot about how brave you are. You might not be, you might not find the right publisher for you, but you'll find a good life if you're following your, like Casey Musgrave says, follow your own arrow. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. And that's all. Maybe you think you want this or that or the other thing. But what you really not want is happiness. Yes, we want success. Okay. So I just say, I say, God, just help me feel successful what I've done today. <laughs> because I- <laughs> that was absolutely perfect, Nancy. Thank you so much for joining me. This has been such an honor. Before we go, can you share with everyone where they can learn more about Discover Sooner and connect with you online anywhere else? Well, thank you for asking. Okay. You just go to discoversooner.com and there you will find my face and um, our, our website that will explain a lot of things. And, you know, for everyone who signs up, it's a subscription. You can buy a month, you can buy a year at a time. But we um, get a meeting with me if you're a member. Um, Everyone gets a meeting with me once a year. And there's opportunities to pitch songs every other month. And we have an event online if you're a member. And then then we're going to have co-writer hookups. Okay, to me. We're going to have co-writer hookups <laughs> in June. <laughs> We're going to have one in June. And all you have to do, if you're a member, is say, I want to, I just want to be at the event. And that's all. And then we're going to put you in a room with some other people. And uh, and and you're, we're going to give it a shot. Well, let's see how good we are. People up called a co-writer hookup. <laughs> and, and you could be, you could be in, um, you could be in Ireland. You could be in Belfast. We have members in Belfast. You could be in Belfast and do this. <laughs> you could be anywhere because it's on Zoom. And so we've got a few things we think that can really help people. And then we have some of these paid programs and free events that we hope that you'll sign up for and enjoy. Sound good? Yes, perfect. Wow, Nancy, this has been truly an honor. I love talking to you. We could have talked for another five hours, but we have to cut it off somewhere, unfortunately. (laughs) Uh, Well, thank you so much again for joining me, listeners. Thank you so much for listening to this incredible episode of Right on Track with Nancy Deccant. And of course, until next time, stay Stay right right on on track. track.